Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice, including Google, Apple, Spotify, and the Megaphone app. Our podcasts are always available for you whether you're at home, on the go, or at work. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's podcast, we're going to be recapping what happened during the Columbus and Winnipeg game, which basically closes out Winnipeg's schedule for the next week and a half or so. A couple of Jets are going to make it to the All-Star game, but the rest of the guys are probably going to take some time for a minor vacation while um, likely going through some training practices and prepping for the back stretch of this last 35 or 40 games of the season. The regular season is rapidly approaching its conclusion and Winnipeg is still out of a playoff spot. No matter what occurred tonight, because of their loss last night to the Carolina Hurricanes, Winnipeg was not going to be able to get back into a wildcard spot regardless of a win or a loss. I certainly did not expect to win last night and some of the previous games, but obviously the Jets sort of stumbled and fell pretty hard and uh, perhaps in a manner that was a little more surprising than you might expect. I mean, the Jets basically conceded a ton of goals from goaltending that had been uh, typically strong for them. Their goal scoring that was a little bit fluky and a little bit lucky, but came from elite shooting talent, basically dried up and vanished. And then, you know, the Jets just sort of looked lackadaisical and and a bit uh, overwhelmed last night in the third period against the Carolina Hurricanes. In a lot of ways, this game against Columbus needed to be something of a statement from the team about what it is that they plan to do for the rest of the season, because if they want to take a night off and and basically go golfing before the playoffs even begin, then that was going to have to be um, a bit of a no-show tonight. Even though the team, I felt, kind of quit a little bit, not not entirely quit, but I, I felt like they backed off a bit in the third period last night, obviously this team really does care and the guys want to do do well. They want to succeed. They want to show um, Jets fans that they're capable of more. And, you know, guys, frankly, just want to do their job and do it well because losing totally sucks. And I'm sure that it's been weighing on them heavily over the past several weeks uh, while Winnipeg is enduring a uh, one of the worst slides of the season. To the Jets' credit, tonight they came out looking a lot more like a competent NHL team. I would hesitate to say that it was a great start to the game. Columbus, I think, in the first four or five minutes really controlled play. For a bit, I thought that Winnipeg was going to get run over again and kind of continue on last night's trend. Thankfully, though, Bressois, you know, was able to stop a couple of the dangerous opportunities that Columbus created. And then Mason Appleton's line got this weird, kind of fluky uh, score op- scoring opportunity where um, somebody deflected a pass or something down low, and it came right to Appleton. And Elvis Merzlikens, the Columbus goalie, was a little bit... It wasn't really that far out of his crease, but... Um, where P- Appleton was able to get the puck and receive it, he was able to just deke around Merzlikens' left pad and score. It's the kind of opening goal that's definitely against the run of play, and I feel like Columbus was briefly stunned a bit. For like a minute or two, they were not as aggressive as they had been previously at the start of the first period. But then as the, as the time wore on, the Blue Jackets started looking more like themselves and kept pushing the Jets a bit. Not long after, as Columbus started to get a bit more offensive zone pressure, Seth Jones completely walked the entire Winnipeg defensive unit and scored an absolute beauty of a goal that, you know, I, I would probably say Bressois needs to be better on the short side here. Um, I get that Seth Jones is a very talented player, and he, like his net front drive was incredible, and an amazing display of individual talent, but this is the kind of goal that's a little greasy. 
And, and, you know, obviously I think it was a pretty deserved goal. Columbus had been pushing and out shooting Winnipeg, I think 7-2 or 7-3 up to that point. So it wasn't like the Jackets weren't doing well or creating offense. I mean, they, they really did deserve this goal. As the period wore on, Winnipeg did try to create some more uh, low-slot offense, and I think that they actually had a couple of good individual rushes from some of their skaters to create offense. I think the top line, are, you know, while not amazing, did create some scoring opportunities, especially for Patrick Line. Line was, you know, closer than some of the other guys to getting a goal here and there, but obviously he just couldn't find Twine. I think his stick broke on one shot on the power play, and other times there were a couple of decent saves on him. Andrew Kopp's line was actually having a pretty successful night. I feel like a lot of the depth guys in general had some decent shifts. Uh, the the shore line was all right, I felt. Um, Bork, you know, obviously it's Gabriel Bork. He's not going to be uh, creating that much impact on this team. But shore was fine. I think Appleton's line was decent. Appleton, you know, he does skate really quickly and, and speedily, but I don't think, aside from the goal that he scored, he really had a tremendous impact on the 5v5 offense. What I do think is that Andrew Kopp was looking pretty solid. Despite those solid shifts from the depth line, it was actually Winnipeg's top six unit that ended up scoring the next goal. Anthony Potato, who has been a little bit snake-bitten after having one of his goals waved off, kind of wristed one from the left point, and I'm not really sure what entirely happened, but Kyle Connor was, you know, parked in front of the net to try and tip the puck, and I'm not sure if Connor was trying to get out of the way or raise his stick to deflect it, but either way, it went off of his glove and right over Ms. Likens' shoulder, off the crossbar and down and in. It's one of those goals where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit fluky, not exactly the kind of thing that you anticipate. And I feel like, generally speaking, I was more upset for Anthony Potato not getting credit for it uh, than, than it was um, a, a lucky, fluky goal. Potato has kind of been a bit snake-bitten. I mean, he's really had some poor luck, and it's not like this guy scores a ton of goals in general. I think he's only had one or two over his entire career, so this next one would have been really significant for him personally. Unfortunately for all involved, the Tony Batet goal is as elusive as it's ever been. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can only write some of the stuff that happens with him on the ice. Uh, there's actually a really funny athletic article where they in uh, interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and the headline for this article, or at least the teaser line, was, I came out of the womb kicking, kicking and screaming or something like that. Potato is always the one cracking jokes inside the locker room whenever they have these, like, you know, behind-the-scenes videos and whatnot, so I would have liked to have seen him get a goal. I feel like he's the sort of dude in the locker room everyone seems to adore. As far as the opening period was concerned, I feel like it was relatively fine. I mean, given Winnipeg's standards, I've kind of lowered my expectations significantly. I shouldn't say, you know, slightly lowered. I, I would say significantly. I'm not expecting a whole lot from this team. If nothing else, they weren't playing embarrassing hockey. They were playing competently, relatively even. I think the expected goal maps had Winnipeg slightly ahead, but it was a better performance in comparison to last night. For a team that kind of needs something to go right, I, I think that it was important that they had, at least for the start of this game, a stable, normal opening 20 minutes. Second period was basically more of the same from the Jets, which is to say fairly competent play. I don't think there was anything particularly spectacular. Both teams did trade a couple of end-to-end -end rushes. Some of them were odd-man situations. I will say that for as much pressure as Winnipeg occasionally had to absorb, their odd-man rushes were really dangerous situations, but the stupidest thing was 
Winnipeg would have like a two-on-one or a three-on-one, and I swear this team executes some of the worst odd man situations I've ever seen. This has kind of been a running theme this year, but like this team, when it has an odd man situation, always seems to hang onto the puck way too long. Guys are flopping on the ice, and the Jets either don't take a shot, or they pass into somebody else's skates. Maybe it's just me being grouchy and, and being a bit anecdotal in these observations. Perhaps the Jets are actually efficient on odd man situations compared to the rest of the league, but I don't know. Anytime that they have like a three-on-one or something and, say, Kyle Connor is on the shift, I generally don't expect a whole lot to happen. If Connor is the one carrying the puck, he's probably not going to be setting up a goal. Sometimes I think Kyle's best decision is honestly just to risk it because when he tries to make a pass or set up a play, usually it doesn't work. I'm not sure why he tends to lack a bit of decision-making skill or, or some vision or something for his setup options, but as far as like puck distribution, Line is the guy who's really the one who's arguably the best passer on his line. When you consider that he's playing with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, and we know what skill sets those two have, it's a little bit puzzling then that Line is actually not the trigger man for his unit. So, I don't know. Odd man situations Winnipeg kind of needs to get better at. Speaking of getting better, the start of the second period honestly wasn't as great as I was hoping for. Um, Columbus actually got something of a gift from the Jets on an opening shift not long after the start of the second period where um, Andrew Kopp was coming around the backside of his net and Columbus had the puck behind the net. They had a couple of skaters essentially forming a triangle and I don't know what happened. Like Kopp was coming around after he forced a turnover or something and was carrying the puck and then just kind of like gently lofted it um, just a few inches ahead of himself. Puck gets picked off and the pass is basically one-timed by Bjorkstrand past Bersois. These soft turnovers are the things that have kind of killed the Jets in the past. Usually it's from the defenders. It's not from guys like Kopp, who are usually pretty careful with the puck. But Kopp has had a couple of situations this year where he just sort of, I don't know if he misreads the passing opportunity or just kind of whiffs on the puck, but either way, these turnovers where the Jets uh, give the opposing squad a really easy scoring opportunity they can't continue if Winnipeg wants to make the playoffs. I'm not going to harp on it incessantly because the team's attention to detail is quite honestly dreadful in a lot of areas, but you know, that's one of those things that has to be fixed at some point. Probably not this season. I think Winnipeg is, is well, they handle the puck like a hand grenade most times, so I'm not expecting that much to change, but I did notice that uh, Maurice tried shuffling the lines a lot. Um, Wheeler was moved back to wing. Cop became a second line center at one point. Roslevic became a third-line center. Ehlers got demoted out of the top six, which I don't really understand. I, I, like, don't understand why Maurice has this thing against Nick, because it's it's clear that, for some reason, Nick is always the one who gets bounced around. I get that Nick is, is one of the best skaters, and he's the one everyone kind of turns to when you need to elevate the team, but, you know, knocking them out of the top six to me just doesn't make sense. And it also seems like Appleton got some form of a promotion to the middle six, from what I recall, which... Not really a fan of. I think he was uh, flanking Wheeler, and I just, I don't know. Appleton is fine. He's not a bad player. It's just, of the opportunities that the Jets were creating, uh, Mason was mostly, you know, not really involved on in a whole lot of them. If you're going to promote somebody, I just wouldn't really be promoting Appleton of all people. Even though he scored a nice goal, I think that he was more fortunate to score that one than anything. I'd rather see a guy like, say, Janssen Harkins get a bit more ice time. It definitely doesn't make sense to take Ehlers off that second line when he's the one facilitating a lot of the 5v5 offense, uh, as well as everything else for the Jets, but especially for that top six unit and second line. Winnipeg, though, uh, kind of weathered a couple of storms from the Blue Jackets. I think Columbus had a pretty good second frame. The Jets definitely created some rushing opportunities in the other direction, but again, like I said, their odd man situations were not great. 
Late in the period, though, the Jets did get a nice power play opportunity, and this time Neil Pionk, after uh, an earlier power play where his passes and stuff weren't so great, the Jets actually capitalized on this one. Uh, this was a right-wing face-off draw that the Jets won, and then Neil Pionk just sort of wristed one from the point. Merzlikens really didn't seem to have a great read on it, and it just sort of cleanly beat him, which, you know, if you're a goaltender getting beat from as far out as Merzlikens got beat, you're not going to be happy with yourself. Elvis, in general, didn't seem super comfortable throughout the first couple of periods, and I feel like some of the goals against were just sort of greasy and not great. They're the kinds of things that, as a starting netminder in the NHL, yeah, I mean, you're going to have nights like that where some stuff that's a little bit on the softer side just beats you because hockey's very chaotic, um, you're trying to face a very small biscuit on a very slippery surface, yada yada yada. But for a guy who's posted like three shutouts in his last five games or something like that, I was just a little bit surprised at how sloppy he looked tonight. You know, and with all due respect, the Jets definitely did create a lot more offense than they created in the uh, trailing minutes of last night's game. So it wasn't like Elvis wasn't busy at all. It's just, it's not like Winnipeg was also testing um, their Columbus defense all that much. And the opportunities that they did create, I felt like, were the kinds of things that Merzlikens is usually more than comfortable handling. Unfortunately for the Jets, they did end up taking like a bit of a late tripping penalty. And then, well, I think it was a tripping or a hook, probably a hook. But whatever happened, it just wasn't great because Winnipeg got through killing off a chunk of the penalty and it was everything was going fine. And then somebody wristed a shot that, or it was either a wrist shot or a slap shot that just kind of leaked through Bussois' pads. Like I was saying with, you know, Merzlikens needing to be better about sealing off that angle and, and not really getting beat from a wrist shot that, that high up, this puck really needed to not squeak through Brassois and essentially just pop over the goal line after somebody tucked it over the line. It was a it was a real greasy goal and not the kind of thing that you'd really want to see your team conceding, especially when you have trouble protecting leads as it is. I don't know that I really fault the PK for this one. I mean, the PK percentages on the season is obviously pretty poor, but in this case, it wasn't like the Jets were actually conceding an amazingly dangerous chance on this goal-scoring opportunity. This is one that Brassois just got to have... On the season, he hasn't been that good at that. Hopefully, he at some point recovers his form from last season because I think Hellebuck might be getting a little bit tired, and certainly the Jets kind of need to make sure that Connor doesn't burn himself out. Hellebuck has been playing a ton of games, and frankly, he needs more of a break than he's getting, and Bressois not being, you know, one of the worst backups in the NHL would probably be a start. I, I think it's sometimes, you know, Bressois doesn't really look any much better than, like, Michael Hutchinson, but, you know, it is what it is. He's a backup, and he's not playing very many minutes, so maybe a bit more time on the ice will do him some good. Speaking of doing good and good things, I'm sure you've all heard about all of the great advertisers that are currently partnered with Locked On to reach sports fans around the country. What you may not know is that Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, is a great opportunity for your local business to reach local Winnipeg Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach podcast listeners within your locale and area. These aren't your ordinary podcast listeners as well. They're locked on sports fans who are just as passionate about your favorite team as you are. If your business wants to connect with Winnipeg Jets fans around the country and around the world and reach out to a predominantly male audience that's well-educated and has disposable income, then Locked On Winnipeg Jets is the perfect opportunity for you to reach out and get in touch with us. Local fans always love supporting local businesses, so be sure to text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and introduce yourself. Our team will coordinate with you to achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Well, 
Unfortunately, the Jets kind of Jets in that they uh, showed up for the third period, but they didn't really do a whole lot. And then, uh, as, as is customary with this team, uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, towards the back stretch of this final 20 minutes, scored a beautiful goal. Um, and look, here's the thing: is like I, okay, I don't even know how to put this in words. Honestly, I'm not upset at this effort from the Jets, but I'm just I don't know. I feel really apathetic and maybe more than anything disappointed. Winnipeg was, yeah, on the on the score sheet, things looked all right. And, like, generally speaking, I felt like the effort was there, but this team was just kind of mediocre tonight. And then, you know, Bjorkstrand comes in on the right flank and wins a physical duel with Dmitry Kulikov, strips the puck, and then scores an absolute beauty of a shot. And, like, I'm just kind of sitting there thinking to myself, wow, you know, I really did wait, you know, 55 minutes to watch Winnipeg lose like this. And so, I don't know. <laughs> Just watching this team just feels exhausting sometimes. I'm really glad the All-Star break is coming up because Winnipeg is completely spiraled out of, of playoff contention, really. And it's not like they're really out of it, especially in terms of the hunt for a wild card spot. But, I mean, you watch this team play and how they've been playing over the past several months. Do you really think that this team is going to make the playoffs like this? I, I have a hard time thinking so. And this road trip, which was supposed to be a wonderful mom's road trip with the team's players and stuff, has just been something of an absolute train wreck. Tonight was probably the most complete game the Jets have played over the past five or six outings, and it still looked absolutely terrible, generally speaking, outside of, you know, a couple of bright spots. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. This was like the least bad of Winnipeg's recent games, and it still wasn't very good at all. I mean, Laurent Brassois was kind of not great on a couple of goals against... And, like, the Jets were just at best mediocre. Eh. Like, they were competent and that was about it. There was not a whole lot of excellence to go around and... I don't know. I don't know what to expect with this team. There are nine days until Winnipeg has to play the Boston Bruins, who are one of the best teams in the NHL. And, like, the Jets are... Uh, I, I don't know. They're like a paper tiger. I'm not afraid... If I was an opposing player, I wouldn't be afraid of them at all. The Jets have been terrible and they now have about a week and a half to sort things out and try and figure out whether or not this team is going to make the playoffs or whether it's going to sink and, and continue to track towards, like, lottery-level play. And I guess I just feel, more than anything, disappointed. I mean, tonight was a chance to make some kind of a statement, and the Jets basically said, yeah, we'll, we'll put in the effort, but we're still not really close to doing anything, and I don't know. I don't know that anything's going to change over the next several days. I I think this game probably spared Paul Maurice for at least another couple weeks, which is for me, not really the right lesson to take away because the Jets, on the whole, the trend is the same as it's always been. Winnipeg is kind of a terrible team. Like, they're playing as one of the worst squads in the NHL and things aren't really getting any better. And unless the coaching staff changes either philosophies or actual staff members, things are going to continue as they are. I don't think the All-Star break is going to solve what ails this team. The trade deadline is not going to solve what ails this team. And, uh, you know, I, at this point, I kind of feel like a bit like a broken record just because Winnipeg keeps doing the same stuff over and over and over again and things haven't changed at all. The only time that things change is when, like, the Jets make some weird line assortments that don't actually impact the play in a meaningful way. I mean, like, Mason Appleton got promoted and he was fine enough. Like, the first, you know, first couple of shifts after he was promoted, I really wasn't impressed. Um... He had a couple of decent shifts in the third period, but, like, I don't know. Why would you demote Ehlers in favor of this dude? Like, Mason's a fine player in a depth role, but if you put your, your you know, overall best all-around skater on the third line, 
I just, uh, you know, I'm frustrated talking about this team sometimes, and tonight just feels like the end of of my patience. Uh, Winnipeg is so bad at so many different things that even when they have some small victories, it's hard to celebrate because the team feels exactly the same in too many respects. I don't know how you guys are feeling about the season, but I'm pretty tired of it, and it's still got like 30, 35 games left. As always, guys, thanks again so much for listening. I hope you guys have tried to enjoy tonight's game. Hopefully it wasn't as bad as you, you know, are probably imagining it to be. But thanks for your support. Go Jets go.